Welcome to the We Are VIP podcast. Each week, your host, Casey Haston, Director of Recruiting at VIP, will bring you valuable insights from thought leaders, introduce you to incredible companies, and bring you tips for landing your dream job from our team of executive recruiters at VIP. And now, Casey Haston. Welcome to the We Are VIP podcast, a podcast devoted to adding value to your career or candidate search, brought to you by VIP. I'm your host, Casey Haston. I'm an executive recruiter, director of recruiting with VIP, executive coach, and your all-around hiring guru. And you know it is my goal to bring you some top-notch experts on various topics. And I think you're really going to enjoy this topic today because, number one, these two are kind of funny. So today on the show, I'm joined (laughs) by Dr. Rachel Headley and Meg McNeese, CEO and COO of Rose Group International. They have developed a proven system for helping companies eliminate chaos and improve transitions and recently published a book called IX Leadership. Rose Group International specializes in diagnosing root cause issues that create tension and poor performance. And Rachel and Meg are here today to share some of their strategies to help guide your people to becoming high achieving, top performing teams. Wow, ladies, thank you so much for joining me today. It sounds like so much work. Yeah. <laughs> We're busy. We must be busy. You must be busy. I think you two are busy. So I always like to start the podcast off explaining to our audience how we got connected. So this is a pop quiz. Do you ladies remember how we got connected? I do. Do you remember? I, I do. Tell the story. Uh, well, it was Success North Dallas, right? Yes. Yeah, so we were invited uh, to Success North Dallas and by a good friend, a mutual friend of ours, mm-hmm. and uh, we met amazing people there. One of which is Jeff Curley, the studio uh, affiliated with the studio that you're in, and uh, also we got had a great conversation with you while we were there. Absolutely. So interestingly enough, Bill Wallace was my second episode. He was so gracious. Oh, how fantastic! Yeah, but. He was my first episode that I recorded, but we, we re- he was scheduled to be second, but he ended up being my first recorded ever, ever podcast. And I come in wow. with my notes and because you guys know Bill, love you, Bill. Um, and he'll tell you the story too. But he uh, came in, he looked at my notes and he goes, we're not asking these questions. <laughs> first podcast ever and no notes. Okay. Here we go. <laughs> so, I bet it was great, though, right? It was awesome. It's actually one of uh, it's, it's one of the favorite episodes that we've done. So, very good. So, all right. So, tell me a little bit about Rose Group International and what you do. Oh well, I guess the first question we should ask is: Are we allowed to swear? Yeah, maybe not. It is a business. Okay. But if, you, if it slips, business, don't worry. HR-y I've got a uh, I'm a business HR person, and I, I swear. I know, all the but time. you're a special HR person. <laughs> I'm not. We all swear. Um, we have to. That's a, it's a coping mechanism in HR. Right. Well, we, we don't tell non-HR people that. So yes. we're just going to put on a good show yes. for these nice people. Yeah. So uh, Rose Group, uh, we that's a consulting branch of our business, and so in that part of our business, we really help. Um, organizations understand, identify their challenges. Um, most of the time, they're ones that nobody wants to talk about. So we're really big fans of uh, getting people to tell the truth to themselves, right. uh, particularly executive teams. So we help 
organizations through change, mergers and acquisitions, major integration projects, uh, project management, operational strategy, um, and, and really lifting your people up, elevating them to a point where uh, they can handle that change that you're putting on them uh, with a little bit of grace. Uh, so our, kind of our two main tenants um, in all of our engagements is to make sure that um, maintain or decrease turnover uh, and then also maintain productivity or increase productivity through change. Mm -hmm. That is incredible. And, you know, I, I've been listening to your book, which I love. I'm so glad that you two read it yourself. That's awesome. Um, and there were some statistics, I believe it was around Caterpillar, mm -hmm. about how much, do you know those off the top of your head? I don't mean to put you on the spot, but I mean, they were fantastic yeah, no, statistics. I, I have no idea. Um, but the <laughs> gist of the story is um, that they basically started focusing on their people and because that's who really, that's what really makes our businesses work. And because they focused on their people, their profitability went through the roof, all of their KPIs turned around. Like it's a really incredible story. And we love working with CEOs who really understand that it's the people that get the job done. Now you also right. have to have good process and that sort of thing, but you can have the best process in the world, but if your people aren't plugging into it, then things just don't get done. Absolutely, absolutely. So you've kind of redefined what the culture looks like and you call it an internal experience. So what is the internal experience of a company and how does it impact the company's success? Yeah, the internal experience is um, really, we, we built it off of the backstory is we were doing a presentation for um, Arizona Tech Council several years back and uh, they were all talking about, because they're in the IT world and customer service, so they're all talking about CSCX. And gosh, we can't figure out how to get our customer satisfaction, you know, customer experience numbers up. And so Rachel and I were presenting, talking about, you know, what we were sort of at that time building the plane as we were flying it. And uh, we said, well, have you ever focused on the internal experience of your company? You know, have you ever thought about focusing on actually your people inside the company uh, not necessarily the customer's experience. And they'll go, oh yeah, our people love it here. There's beer taps out here and they can ride bikes around in here. And we said, yeah, but that's not really what we're talking about. You know, what is, what value are you providing actually to your, um, to your employees? And so internal experience is really all about the value that they're getting out of um, their, their experience. So within the company, um, really from a more professional perspective, as opposed to just you know, emotionally or like the cool factor of your business. So, yeah, that cool factor actually didn't really help them in the long run because they were pushing over time, they're pushing 80% turnover. So that clearly wasn't working for them. And they're spending a lot of money on training and a lot of turnover. And we're like, well, maybe it's because something is wrong within the company too. So instead of always looking out, a lot of times we like to, we need to look inward and make sure that we're doing as much attention to our internal processes and experiences as we do externally. Well, and you talk a little bit in your book about the different, um, you know, the different culture types. And I love how you said that. You're like, you know, your personality doesn't change, but your you can change your culture, right? You can put your personality in the right culture. And I was sitting there, and I haven't taken the quiz yet, but I'm gonna be really curious what you think that I am. So, um, and, I, and I'll <laughs> let you ask me some questions, but, and I believe, let's see, um, Meg was the fixer, right? 
Nope, that was Rachel. Rachel. Rachel's yeah. a fixer. Oh, so which one were you? I'm Nick. an independent. Oh, I haven't got that yeah. far yet. Mm -hmm. I haven't got yeah. that far. It'll so. blow your mind. It'll blow your mind. <laughs> Interesting. So I kind of self-diagnosed myself. So I'm curious. Oh. Yeah. But I'm going to take the test. Dangerous. I, Dangerous. I know. I know. But I think I'm a fixer. Because I'm probably are. team chaos, you know. That's yeah, what I want to do. You're try, if you're trying to improve the world for the better, and look, yes. you've started this whole podcast and all of that. Yes. That's kind of the hallmark of a fixer in a, a little more chaotic way. Everyone likes to feel like they're providing value, but us fixers really do it in a way that is uh, might drive other people crazy in some ways. I absolutely um, but, drive other people crazy. I, that I tell my uh, people all the time, like, I'm the big picture thinker. Every assessment I've ever taken in my life is I'm the big picture thinker. Don't give me the details, which is really crazy that my first career was an accountant. So that's crazy. <laughs> I know. And I'm like, you know, I have this big idea and I'm like, okay, here you go. Y'all catch it. Do something with it. You know? So that's why I think. Yeah. I'm go through it out for us. Yep. 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 That's right. So your team helps people resolve conflicts with skill. What are some of the common conflicts seen in the workplace and how do you resolve them? Oh, well, I, the number one one we hear about really is um, it shows up as well. We just don't sh we're not sure people understand our big idea. So kind of mm -hmm. like you said, like executive teams have a big idea. They they throw it down behind them and say, here, you guys, this is going to be cool. And everybody's like, okay, awesome. We're going to catch it. And then they catch it and then they're mostly in organizations we find a lot of order tolerant people mm -hmm. so they don't know what to do with it and what so the big secret um that we know that most people don't um are you is, sure you want to tell them because then it's should out we, should we tell them i know okay nobody oh, believes on. us anyway. <laughs> that's true nobody, nobody <laughs> believes us except for the people that work with us so if you want to know you have to work with us um the the big secret is people actually don't want empowerment in the sense of freedom they want to be told what to do. Like, what is my job? How do I be successful? Mm -hmm. And then the empowerment comes in actually letting them go away and do their job. Most companies think that the idea of empowerment and most leaders think the idea of empowerment is, is this, like they want freedom. Uh, nope, that's just you at that level of the organization most of the time. Um, <laughs> when you get further into the organization, it's not that they want freedom, it's that they want instruction and they want to know how to be successful. So that comes across the words people use are accountability. We don't, people mm -hmm. aren't accountable or we have bad communication. There's a communication gap in middle management. Uh, so we really diagnose the root cause, which almost every time is, hey, listen, your people are scared to do what you think that they should want to do. They need to hear from you what exactly success looks like. Yeah, the people in your company, they don't feel empowered. It, it, what it feels like to them is they feel abandoned. So mm -hmm. while our executive team will tell us, well, we can't seem to have accountability for implementing these big ideas we have. And then when we talk to the staff and they feel like, well, yeah, they just keep throwing these ideas over the wall, but we don't know how to actually execute that. And so we feel like abandoned and we're kind of hung out to dry because we're supposed to figure it out and we don't really know how to move forward. And so then everyone is, everyone thinks that everyone else sees the world the way they do and works the way they do. And even if they have a sense that we're a little different they don't realize the degree that they're different. And so that's the big secret is understanding how to bridge that gap for people. That is awesome. And I think that 
without even trying, VIP, the company that I work for, does that every single day. I mean, they are constantly, you know, we know what success looks like, but we also have the freedom to figure out how we're going to get to that success. You know, for example, you know, for me, you know, I'm a recruiter. I make a living by placing people in new jobs, but, and who would think that a podcast would help with that, right? But it does. It absolutely does. A chaos person does. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. And just, you know, the fact that, you know, and I think they talk about it in the, you talk about in the book that the fixer also cannot stand routine. And like, I'm constantly like pivoting, trying to find something new to do. Um, you know, I went to coaching school during the, during COVID so that I could roll that out to my clients because I can use it with my candidates. I can use it with my clients. I can, it's just an added tool in the tool belt. Right. And so, but mm -hmm. my company supports me in all of that. You know, they're like, okay, well, how, why do you think this would roll into what you do? And when I tell them, they're like, go do it, see if it works. And so I really appreciate that about them, of course. Um, what are some of the biggest, cause we, you know, we talk to our companies about hiring all the time. So what are some of the biggest hiring challenges you see from companies? I would say that fitting the kind of person that we look at mm -hmm. and we evaluate people's tolerance for chaos around change, around how they work. And so really understanding that that's a component that most current assessments don't really evaluate. Um, and then how does that work with the role that you're placing people into? Because of course, if, if you're going to have a role that is a podcast or a coach and the, the amazing list of things that you listed in your intro, like if, but if you have a person that's very, uh, that likes routine and order, they couldn't step into the role that you've created and do a, do a good job. Now they might do a good job for a short amount of time, but they'd probably be very stressed and, and probably not very productive because they'd be worried all the time. And so really understanding how to fit people in that chaotic space is really a challenge that we see a lot. Yeah, and I would say, you know, when they say like hires like, right? So yes, people who are true. chaos tolerant start businesses and run businesses, and then they wanna hire people who are also excited and let's go do it and let's try this thing and that thing. Reality is those aren't really the people that you need inside your business. Mm -hmm. You need a couple of those people, but you need people who are gonna get the work done. And so a lot of times we see businesses or even recruiters, they're hiring, if you, know, if you have a recruiter who's super cast tolerant, they're like, oh, we want somebody for this company who's gonna be adaptable and flexible. So of course you wanna hire that, but you're hiring an accountant. And you're like, uh, nope, that, those are not the work preferences of an accounting person. So uh, really thinking about what kinds of people you need in the organization, whether you're a recruiter or an executive or a mid-level manager, mm -hmm. who do you need to fill those roles? The other thing that's really challenging is what we see often is we don't understand those people who are opposite of us, right? So if I'm an independent, a stabilizer is opposite of an independent, I don't get how those people make decisions. I don't understand why they make the decisions they do. I don't get how they get to the decisions, but I have to really knowing what I know about the Helix assessment and this culture type system is I need to appreciate that they get there the way they do and learn how to use, utilize those skills and work preferences that I don't have because I need them inside the business. 
That is so true. So I am working on a project right now outside of work because I don't have enough to do, right? Um, but I'm working on a project right now and I have really had to come to grips with, I need people not like me. You know, I need people that can do this part of the project and I need people that can do this part of the project. And that's the only way it's gonna come to fruition. And, and by giving up that control and not feeling bad because I couldn't do those things, it's really, I mean, we're almost done. I'll have to tell you all about it later. It's pretty exciting. So That's a, a, so important is the very thing that drives us crazy about each other is are the things that we need in each other. And so you're, it's amazing to recognize that that's not your zone of genius and that you can lean on other people who specialize and flourish in ways that you don't. But then that's also can be very um, difficult to actually see the same, be aligned on things. And so, especially as I'm sure you're working in a, a you know, sort of a core team, keeping those communication lines open and making sure you're all on the same page can be really challenging, but it's so, like, that's where high performance really comes from and getting work done in the way that you need to comes from understanding that, that difference and, and the, what are the tools to overcome those. Yeah, and that is one thing that I'm noticing that there's a little bit of a clash, a little bit of a creative clash because, you know, I have one way I want it done and then it comes back to me another way and they're like, don't make me change that again. I'm like, I'm going to make you change that again. I'm sorry. <laughs> you know, it's going to happen. So. You're yeah. not really sorry, though. We know it's I'm okay. Not sorry. Yeah. I, I'm sorry, I not sorry. A, I just had a conversation with one of our employees and I said, don't stop being creative. Bring all your big ideas. She goes, we well, can't squash them with a nine pound hammer. I said, I can do whatever I want. <laughs> I said, and I, I, and I will, and I need you to keep being creative because that's really how, you know, you and I generate new ideas and work together. So it is interesting that, you know, the, and she's more team driven than me. So I'm like, I don't take it personally. It's not about your idea. It's about the idea. And so then I had to have that conversation. So yes, that is a thing. <laughs> so talk to us just real quick about the X and Y axis. Sure, if you're looking at um, a graph, the top half of that graph is chaos tolerant. So what that means for us is you look for opportunity and change, you might be more ready or more open to change. You, if you have too many, much structure, that feels confining instead of, instead of rewarding. And then at the bottom of that graph is order tolerant. And those folks love structure some people will tell you straight out, they hate change. They tend to need more time to adapt to change. It's not that they don't, they might reject it. It's just that they really take a lot longer to process through it and understand it. Uh, on the left side of the graph is team driven. So people that are connected, we, some people can, you know, there's good and bad on everything. Some, a lot of it's, we, we keep an eye out and care for each other and want to do things for other people, but we you also learn about people for the sake of learning about them. Yeah. Yeah. And certainly <laughs> not me. Self-driven people, they don't like, they don't need people around them the way that team driven people need people around them. I can be, I'm team driven. I can be very, um, focused and get a lot of things done myself. And I have for years, I was a solo entrepreneur for a while. I hated it, didn't like it. I could make money, I could be successful, but I was not happy. Meg, on the other hand, she's a self-driven person and she doesn't need people around. She's happy to work on her own. In fact, she's one of those people that like, I wanna think this through first and then I wanna talk it, talk about it. Where I'm like, let's all brainstorm together. Come exactly. on, everybody. And she's like, ah. 
<laughs> so that's sort of the, so the right hand side of the graph is self-driven and that's not narcissistic or or negative in that way but it's they're just they're focused on more of the logical and practicalities and we're on the other side are more focused on the people involved and how they're doing so that's kind of the, the x and y on that graph which by the way when i interview my candidates i usually know their kids names and their dogs names by the time i'm through so yeah I like to, yeah you're more than i am <laughs> no i, I love it i love it so how can employers hire new talent that can contribute to and work well with an existing team? Uh, well, they can use Helix. That's a great way to start. So, um, I, you know, I think really it's understanding how they're going to fit into the team. Helix helps. It's a quick way to get a snapshot of what that might look like. Um, but aside from using that um, or knowing about it, it's really about how they're going to fit in the team, I think. I mean... I still believe in the sort of the age old mantra, you can hire for, for fit and train for skill. Mm -hmm. um, Cause you know, like you, Casey, if you were actually an accountant by trade or, or had somehow had some experience doing it, you can do the work all day long, but you might be miserable. So you're not going to do it for very long. Um, so I think really kind of hiring somebody, not only for the fit of the team, but for the fit of the position is really the, really the key thing. I, I also think the number one feedback we get from any of our clients we work with is um, the onboarding process is maybe shoddy, um, but then if they get that right, really, really good onboarding process, I got some awesome swag, my computer was set up as soon as I got there, I met three new people and I have a mentor, but then I don't know how to actually be successful in the company or like, what are my tracks? Can I be a leader in three years? Uh, is that person who's been sitting in that seat ahead of me for 20 years going to stay there for another 20 years? Are there other ways that I can grow in the company, different kinds of opportunities? So I think getting those things right once you get someone hired in is really important for retention. It's not just about the, the onboarding experience. Um, it's also about the experience they have as they grow in the company. Yeah, and I would add to that, one of the things we see is that regardless of generation, um, is that if you can if, if people, if new employees feel like they're providing value and they are valued for that contribution mm -hmm. and you get them, you keep them for about nine months, then they'll stay with you. But we see this huge drop between six and nine months. And often it's because they don't feel like they're a part of the community. Now, in our world, if you're team driven and you don't feel like you're connected to your coworkers, that's a big one. And I think mm -hmm. that's why we've seen a lot of turnover in COVID because people don't feel connected anymore. And so they're looking for that connection. Um, other people, more self-driven people may leave for other reasons, but we really see that six to nine month window as a key time to make sure they're feeling valued in, and, I have, and understand that opportunity to grow in the company. And I just wanted to share something because I know, and like I said, every assessment I've ever told me, I wish that I'd had your assessment before I chose what I was going to do for most of my life because right? I was in accounting for 20 years and I didn't even realize how miserable I was until I got out of it and found my passion. And, you know, and now I think that's why I'm on this mission to help other people find their passion because I tell people all the time, I don't work a day in my life because I love what I do. I am excited to get to go to work on Monday. And when Friday rolls around, I'm like, oh, you know, I'm not going to get to see my peeps and, and, and we do work so well, even though it's a sales environment, we work extremely well together. And I just love that. 
But I just, you know, I when I talk to people, especially people that are just maybe getting ready for um, their career or choosing their major in college, I'm like, oh my gosh, please go take assessments. Really think about what you love to do before you choose what you're going to do for the rest of your life because you're going to spend so much time there. Yeah, and you know, I have a PhD in science and I turns out I don't like science work. <laughs> That's a lot of work to not like what you do. But, but what it but what it what happens though, like I w I'm with you. I, I really wish I would have understood that the kind of role I want. I, I still love science. I love the stories we can tell about science and I love looking at the world through those eyes. And even a, a company that we work in, I like looking at them as a system and thinking about it as more in a more of more of that kind of vein more analytical and that sort of thing. But, mm -hmm. you know, I, I would have avoided some really bad job choices. So I'm not <laughs> sure I would have changed my trajectory necessarily, but I wouldn't have taken some jobs that I ended up hating. So that does, I'm not sure it would have changed that piece, but I certainly would have chosen better <laughs> when I got out of college, I suppose. That's very, very interesting. So how that brings us this is really good timing for this question. How can a candidate show a potential employer that they are a good fit for the team? And, and I tell my candidates, don't pretend to be somebody you're not because you can't be that person all the time. So just be you. If it's not, if it doesn't work out, it's not meant to be. Yeah. Well, I, that's, I think the best advice you can give people is do the, you know, don't, when you're just fresh out of college, man, you're scrambling to get a job and you don't really care what it is. And yeah. and really, when you're fresh out of college, that's kind of okay. Um, but as you, if you have an opportunity at that point, and as you grow in your career, when you do start to have opportunities to be a little more selective, pick a job in a company you actually like. Uh, and don't try and just get the best job because it pays the most money or they have the best benefits or I really wanted to move to Austin or, you know, I mean, pick there's I think what happens um, for all people is that our world is sort of as small as we think it is right here. But and so we don't really realize that, you know, the world is humongous and that you could get a job working in Romania if you really wanted to, right? So we we unintentionally limit ourselves um, to to what the size of the world is. So I think the first, that would be, I guess, the first sort of advice I would give to somebody is really decide what you wanna do as you grow in your career and be intentional about picking jobs that line up with that, not with the money you wanna make. The money will come yep. when you find the stuff that you're super passionate about. Yeah, I guess for me, a big piece is also to no, don't forget to interview the company. Yeah, because when you, you go into an interview, it's really about your, you're going to be giving your heart, soul and passion and energy to these individuals and they better deserve it. So be sure that you, they're a fit for you. And I know to Meg's point, like when you're just out there scrambling and you just are excited to get started, maybe that's in the back, that's like way in the back burner. But as you grow through your career, it's time to really start thinking about you're going to be helping these people be successful or do they deserve that kind of energy from you? And so be sure you're asking those questions. You know, I will tell you, I wasn't looking to make a move when I joined VIP. Um, I really wasn't. And I, you know, I had a great job. I had a great book of business, you know, but I was a little cog and a big will. Right. It was big, 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 big company. And so <laughs> big will. Really big will. Yeah. Um, and so when I interviewed with them, it was just, you know, 
as a favor to a friend that I even went to interview with them, but they asked me one question that hooked me. And it, they didn't say, this is what we'd like for you to do when you come here. They go, what do you want to do? And I was like, oh, somebody's going to let me spread my wings? That sounds like fun, you know? And it has been a blast. I have not regretted it for a single moment. It has, I, I have definitely spread my wings. So, well, I think that's a really good point too to think about the size of company because smaller firms have more ability to be successful. They tend to be more innovative, they tend to be more entrepreneurial. Yes. Whereas big companies tend to attract the people on the bottom side of that graph. They tend to attract people that are mm -hmm. looking for stability, mm -hmm. looking people looking for routine and and a good salary and good benefits whereas an entrepreneurial company is going to be more about spreading wings and trying things and maybe failing half the time, but being okay about it. So we really think through too, what your comfort zone is in how, and then look for companies that suit that size and what the opportunities you may have. That is such great advice. Such great advice. You know, and I hadn't really even thought about it like that. Yeah. Thanks. That's pretty one a day, right? One a day. We one good one idea. Day. Spend it on you, Casey. <laughs> You're welcome. So. <laughs> so let's really quickly, because we're almost out of time, but I do want to get to this. So a strong company culture is essential to the success of a company. What is one aspect of a winning company culture that you think all companies should adopt? Mm. Brutal I, honesty. I was going to say, yeah. you say accountability. <laughs> Br well, brutal honesty, I think. And then that creates accountability. Yes. Um, yeah. Brutal honesty is mine. That's a self-driven perspective. From a team-driven perspective, I would say um, making sure that people that are working with you feel valued for their contribution. Oh my God, you're you're so my people. <laughs> I know, I know. I mean, you know, she's all about brutal honesty and accountability. I'm like, and oh, I just I want to be valued. I want people to know and see. You know, I I don't need kudos. It's not like I need somebody to just constantly praise me. But I just I, I like for people to say, Hey, that made a difference. What you did. You know, you've helped yeah. candidates, you've helped clients. That made a difference. You, that's all I, you don't even say thank you. She's definitely a fixer. That's yeah, what she, it is. yeah, definitely a fixer. So I guess that also helps us to understand who's working for you and how to provide them value. Meg does not care if I think she's, like you care if you're providing value, but you don't need to hear about it. She knows that she's providing value without yeah. me saying it. I want to know if you think I'm not providing yeah, value because right. that would really frustrate that's the, me. That's the brutal honesty part. Yep. So it is tricky as we can't even agree yeah. on that one thing. So it's it when we work in teams, everyone works in a team and it is the hardest thing we do, I think. Yeah, getting along with other people playing in this game called life, right? So right, the sandbox. Yep. That's such good information. Okay. I do have one more question. So what are the four culture types? The uh, two chaos tolerant culture types are fixers and independence. And the two order tolerant culture types are stabilizers and organizers. Definitely not a stabilizer. Definitely not an organizer. I don't think. No, ma'am. <laughs> You're definitely a fixer. Yeah, I like to go, go, go. So, okay, now we get to the fun right. part of the show, okay? These are our All VIP right. questions that we ask everybody, and I love to see how people interpret them and answer. So, I don't know if you both want to answer this one or if y'all want to answer like every other one. Well, we'll answer them fast and we'll both answer. How's that? Okay, keep them cool. Fun. Okay, 
So, if you were chosen to be one of the first colonists on Mars, what three things or people would you take with you? Do you want to go first? Sure. Okay, do it. I would definitely take my boyfriend for obvious reasons. Hello, making yep. out. I yep. definitely want to do that on Mars. <laughs> Um, I, you know, I've actually thought about this. I actually asked my daughter and I'm like, I don't know if I take my daughter since she'd be trapped on Mars as a single woman her whole life. That's no fine. Good idea. So, so I would take something that can provide me air and water, whatever that is. And my boyfriend, hmm. very practical, scientific answer. <laughs> okay. Well, I'm going to assume I'm going with Rachel and she's actually one of the things I'm taking. And I mean that in the true in sense the of thing. thing, because she is a resource. <laughs> she knows a lot about this stuff. Um, so I would take Rachel. Uh, I would not take my family for the same reasons because I wouldn't want them to be trapped if I was trapped there. Right. Um, also, my husband is would be panicked the whole time. I'd he be like be super annoyed. So love you. You're just staying home. <laughs> um, and then I would take a toothbrush because take a toothbrush. I, I would take a toothbrush with me everywhere. She's fierce about hygiene. Dental I hygiene. am. Uh, I am. Um, and then so you're you got water and air I got covered. water and air covered. And my know-it-all, all jack of all trades boyfriend. I would bring peanut M&Ms. That's a good one. <laughs> yeah. And like a lifetime supply. supply yeah. There's our calories. There you go. We have You're calories need them. now. Yeah. yeah. Protein. Yeah. Yeah. Protein, Absolutely. fats. We'd be great. Yeah. Be set. I think that's a perfect so, choice. I might have Dynamic to take that. Duo. So. <laughs> <laughs> all right. So what is one thing you do each day to set your day up for success? I get up before anybody in my house. Those are my best days. Because uh, I'll tell you what, I really have a hard time. Like, I just need a little bit of quiet time in the morning to get myself set up. Um, and the, it seems like the older I get, the more important that is and the more I'm really leaning into it. So um, I'm an early riser anyway. So I just like to be up before. And it doesn't have to be like an hour before. Like, we're not talking 4.30 a.m. Just you know, 15 minutes before anybody else. I also feel, because I'm super competitive, I feel like I'm- You win? Winning if you get up early. <laughs> yeah. It's important to feel like you're beating your family at something. That's... I, uh, for me, it's, I am, of course, because this is the story of our life, I'm completely the opposite. I try to get as much sleep as possible. And I know sleep is kind of a trendy thing, but honestly, if I don't get enough sleep, I don't, I know I don't work as well and I know I don't operate well. So I am the one that's, I figure out when my first appointment is in the morning or my first meeting or session or facilitation, then I'm up maybe 45 minutes before that. So I, I try to maximize my sleep. Wow. I, I will tell you a secret. I'm also big on sleep and I'm so big on sleep that I actually track the quality of my sleep and the number of hours that I get every night. Whoa. I don't want to know. That's how bad I am. At you're, sleeping. A, you're a bad sleeper. I am a bad sleeper. A bad sleeper. See, I'm a good sleeper, but if I don't get good sleep, I'm not a nice person. So I definitely want to yeah, make sure that I'm getting sleep. So. Uh, you don't want to be around me on an, on a bad sleep day. So that's what I do to set up my day is to get enough sleep. Awesome. All right. Final question. This is the tough one. If your life's work was being summarized in a news article, what would the headline be? This is the question. This is the reason I asked if we could swear on the show was um, this question. Well, because I'm really sure that my headline would have, have some swear word, word in it. <laughs> um, let's see. What would your headline summarize your works? My mine would definitely have something about our, that our work has changed the way business gets done in the world. Hmm. Mine would probably be something about honesty or accountability 
Like, accountability. Meg was right. It really is that important. (laughs) (laughs) She just likes the Meg is right part, which happens a lot around here, really. So that is awesome. How do people find you? Uh, Well, you could go to our website, rosegroupintl.com. You can go to, we're on all the social media places um, everywhere, like gross everywhere. LinkedIn, yeah, as a self-driven person, this is not, she's not a social media guru, but we're on LinkedIn, we're active everywhere. If you Google Meg McNeese or Dr. Rachel MK Headley, there are some other Dr. Rachel Headleys out there, but uh, Dr. Rachel MK Headley will come up. We are, we speak, we train, we consult we're do it all so we're easy to find yes reach well, out we're happy to chat and personally i will say i have seen you two speak in person and y'all are fabulous and y'all your oh, energies you. play very well off of each other so i really appreciate you two taking the time i know you two are super busy super busy but i appreciate this this is going to be some great information for our audience and i just have one more thing to say to you both of you are a vip Oh, thanks. You too. Yeah. (laughs) Dang right we are. All of us. (laughs) And that's a wrap for today. Join us next week here on the We Are VIP podcast. We'd love to know how we can help you be a VIP. To find out more, log on to wearevip.com.